good to hear. What, what, did, what did you say? I didn't hear that. What did you say? Nothing. You... It's not important. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you sound like a, you're in a great mood this morning, Bisk, by the way. <laughs> Actually, I did. I was kind of... <clears throat> it's weird. I was... Uh, I don't know if it was I, I was excited to podcast, mm-hmm. but I woke up at a couple minutes before 5, yeah. thinking, oh... Well, I was going to get up at 5.30 to, you know, get the coffee going, wake up a little bit so my voice isn't totally lame. Mm-hmm. Failed but I tense. couldn't fall back asleep. So that must Whoa. mean that I wanted to uh, PCAST with you guys pretty bad. Wow. And I don't have anything to talk about, so. Awesome. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. <laughs> are you growing out the, the beard or are you... You know, we're going to see... You just have not shaved. What's the... Well, so it was kind of, It was like the tournament and then being really sick... It was just kind of one thing after another that I didn't shave. And I just trimmed it up yesterday. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to let it play out for a little bit and we'll see how it goes. But I really don't like the neck beard. And it's been a long time since I've tried to grow it out. So we're going to see. Yep. It's the Neard is famous on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think we actually have an episode called Neck Beard. Yeah. I, and it Put may just be map. called Neard. Is it is it neared? It's, it's yaomingneared.com. <laughs> to be very specific. Yeah. So we'll see we'll see if it looks any better or if it's grown on my cheeks at all. Um yeah, so we're gonna let the spirit move on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How old are you now, Matt? I'm twenty five. And you're still you're still kind of growing in your ability to grow facial hair? Yeah, and I can actually see <laughs> Like where patches, where hair will grow into certain patches, mm-hmm. where it would it was barren. Um, <laughs> and I'm still waiting for like my mustache. It comes in way lighter than the rest of my hair, <laughs> and so I'm still waiting for that to turn. <laughs> yeah. So you know, fingers crossed. Please pray for me. All the people have sat in darkness have seen a great light. Yeah, mm-hmm. the dawn from on high shall break upon us, <laughs> and then we shall all grow beards. That's scripture. Hey, what was that girl's name that I emailed? Uh, Gideon said that um, mm, she. I want to say Ashley Dean. That's my first in my mind. Yeah. A, it, I'll look it up to be sure. I, that's a gut feeling. It's just a gut feeling there. Well, but she's a listener, and she, she's a listener. Yeah, and apparently she's a a, a big fan. Um, Ashley Dean. Yep. Life teen missionary of Blessed Teresa, Calcutta, in Ferguson, Missouri. Famous Ferguson. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Ferguson, Missouri. Yeah. Ashley, thanks for le- listening. Keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. And also thanks for everyone who listens. That's a that's a general shout out. <laughs> yeah. That'd be your general shout out. So if you wanted a shout out, you just got one. <laughs> yes. Don't tell. Don't say right, we never gave do, you anything. All right. Let's let's pause for like two seconds so they can insert their name and then say thanks for listening. Okay. Ready. Thanks for listening. Yeah, this is awesome. That's your shout out. That's good. Oh, yes. Why is there something rather than nothing? <clears throat> well, how have things been going over at the parish, man? Pretty good. Uh, yeah, I've been working a lot. Yesterday was a super long day. Um, I went and gave a talk 
for guys that were going to be deacons or they're in their first year of it's actually called aspirancy so the first year of deacon formation for permanent deacons is you're not even committed in any way to you're not part of the program quote-unquote or you're not studying theology or whatever it is they they call their program it's a four-year program and the first year is this kind of postulant period so i talked to them and there's a good number it's probably 30 people uh including a few of their wives it was just on evangelization um, and whoever is in charge, her name's Kasha. Uh, she works up there at Mundelein, but she, she asked me a year ago, probably to do this talk this October. And so it just so happened that it was on, um, the night the Cubs were destined to lose the NLCS, which is, mm. which was fine with me. I was actually, at first I was a little frustrated that I had a commitment and I couldn't watch the game. But then as I was driving, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of glad I have an excuse not to watch this because <laughs> uh, I know what's going to happen. And it did. So that's fine. RIP 2015 Cubs. Um, Y'all are actually cursed. BT does. Yes. Let it out. Let it out, Connor. I'll just Let say this. Out. I'll just say this yep. about the Cubs because nobody cares. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I, I only watched <laughs> one game uh, of the regular season. And then I watched as many of the playoff games as I could, which was basically at least a piece of every one of them. And I started to, like, I, I preached a homily a few Advents ago about how much hope or how much emotional energy I felt I had once, at one time, invested in the Cubs' success. And how, honestly, like, Christians, we, all we're saying is that we're, we're pegging all our hope, like the deep, profound human hope for happiness, joy, fulfillment, on the real winner who's christ like my all, all of the energy that i ever put onto the cubs which was a lot when i was especially in middle school i really got into the cubs and watching them following them looking at the box scores in the morning and um all that stuff that ultimately like in 2003 when they blew it i was my freshman year of college and then 08 they were really good and that was my first year of seminary and they just completely blew it they got swept um, not as badly as they did this year. Um, well, I, I think they did better this year because they actually won a series. But anyways, this is boring. But my point is that, like, I did not... I, I went right back to the old bisque. When the, when I started <laughs> fantasizing about the Cubs winning the World Series, I was literally having, like... I almost cried thinking about the Cubs winning the World Series. Like, I was, like... I put myself in front... In my mind's eye, I was, like, in front of a TV with like my family or something watching the last pitch as the Cubs win the world series at Wrigley field. And I'm like, that would be what a thing to be alive for. You know, how, how many Cubs fans have lived their entire lives, never seeing that. And I got sucked into it again, dude. And then the <laughs> other night when they, it was the drop third strike and just like, we couldn't get anybody out. And I was like yelling and screaming and hitting things. And then, I went to bed, I woke up in the morning and I was just like, no, it's over. I don't, I don't care. Uh, it's, I, I care. Like I want, the thing about sports is that if you don't invest the energy that will cost you the heartache, if they lose, you won't get any of the benefit if they win, you know? Sure. Like if you're indifferent, then you're indifferent to them winning, you know? But if you're so passionately don't want them to lose that, that means that if they do win, you're, you're, like 
on cloud nine. But I just don't think they were a good enough team. It wasn't that they blew it. They just weren't good enough. They didn't have the pitching. Dude, so Y'all, it, honestly, after y'all beat the Cardinals, I would have said the Cubs are the hottest team in baseball right oh, now. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Are, but, but you watch that series. you cursed. You would get it. Like, <laughs> Whatever. That's real. That's so real. <laughs> no, but you know what? It What you just said made me think of something that Rob actually pointed out. I think it was one time I was watching a Georgia game. And, you know, being a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan, there's something about like being a fan of your own team. I was ripping into the Bulldogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like just ripping apart every aspect of this football team. And I think we were, we were probably even like winning the game. And, you know, you have all these, you have very high expectations for your own team. But I, I noticed that, that, uh, and even like going and watching in different seminaries or watching games with different guys who have who have personally invested emotions or time or energy into a certain team, it's almost like it gives you a certain freedom to be the most negative, pessimistic person only towards your team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like more than anybody else. Because <laughs> if somebody else had come in and said something about the Bulldogs, I would have whipped their butts like straight up and down. Well, it's it's We're, so it's really like your like your little brother or something. Like you you can wail on him, and make fun <laughs> of him, but if you're in school and you see some idiot like rough trying to rough up your little brother, you are about to go lay that guy out, right? Because that's your brother. But at home, he's such a twerp like loser. I hate him. Yeah, but yeah, no, I totally yeah. know what you mean. The familiarity yeah. breeds contempt. Yeah. It's interesting that you were even talking about like that old bisque being still being in there, you know, with the Cubs. I actually tried in my reflection for Cam Knight last night. I tried to actually take the Cubs game that was going to happen later and and talk about the uh, the whole IPF notion of three levels of the heart. How dare you? Hey, just list, just hear me out on this because I actually don't think I think I pretty much bombed on the reflection anyway. Oh, I'm sure you did. Thank you. Um, because <laughs> uh, I just I d- didn't have it like well enough thought out to explain it. Blah blah. blah. But here was my here's my thinking. here's your chance for redemption. Here's my chance for redemption on the internet. Um, so let's see how this goes. But so the past like week or so, well, last weekend my little brother actually got married back home, which was absolutely wait, who got awesome. married? My little brother. Oh, wow, congratulations! Uh, yeah, thanks. So it was great. I was the best man. Went back like one of the best, literally like the best weekends of of my life. It was so much fun. Like from rehearsal, rehearsal dinner, whole wedding. He married a great, great girl from a great family, and we just had like an absolute blast. So. Um, so I came back this week, uh, just kind of like on a high from that, but I was also exhausted and we had a ton to do this week, especially Monday and Tuesday. Like I was just loaded down. Oh, it's midterm week, right? It's, oh yeah. Yeah. This is like the heat of, of midterms right now. Um, and so I just noticed like, it just kind of put me in one of those zones, one of those kind of perpetual moods of everything about like the people I'm around here at the seminary. Um, just like the seminary itself is just frustrating this week. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like we all go through those in whatever way. But like, it, seriously, all the guys I've been around at like some point or another, I mean, Mets kind of does this all the time. But um, <laughs> at some point, like they just, oh, gosh, they just get on my nerves. And it's like, I just need some time 
because it's just like the stress of the week. But I noticed that like, I don't know, kind of at the like a deeper interior level. Um, I don't know. It was it was totally fine. Like could recognize that like I was exhausted and just had a ton of crap on my plate. And it's kind of like a just a this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens to, to me sometimes when I, I'm like, why am I so unhappy? Oh, yeah, it's because I'm hungry. Sure. And yeah. then you all of a sudden it's like, OK, that's fine. I'm not a jerk. I'm sure. just hungry. Yep. And it, I don't think it was like being over dramatic, but like Monday and Tuesday were just like rough because I didn't want to be doing what I had to be doing both those days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to like just articulate that honestly in this reflection. And it got to this where I heard it first was with IPF where like the three levels of the heart to where like at that first level, um, this is honestly, it's just so it told me so much in prayer to realize like we can have stuff like, um, just just literally take the Cubs if you're a Cubs fan. I'll I'll use the Cardinals because I'm a more like I'm a Cardinal fan. But like the Cardinals, yeah, especially during the summers, I get pretty into the Cardinals still. And it it does allow like a certain consolation, like when they get a big win or walk off win or something like that. Um, even with recognizing that it's like eh, okay, you know, like that was awesome. Doesn't you know define who I am or have anything to do with my salvation? But like. That was that was awesome. Very human. Still stoked uh, they got a W. Yeah, still yeah, yeah just pumped. See, they I got can't it I can't get next to the regular season thing anymore because there's 162 games. How do you get excited for 162 games? I don't know. It's just baseball, man. Like that's the grind. So like <laughs> it is a know, grind. Yeah, it's just the grind of of <laughs> the baseball. grind of being a fan. Like you get in the summer doldrums, and it's like that's where like real baseball fans come through, yeah, man. That's where and, that's where true fans are made. It, it's it's the crucible. True. It's true. Like that's the one of the Cardinals advertisements is like um, that it's like a Budweiser commercial and you're talking about like all the good things about the Cardinals and blah, blah, blah. And one of the things on there is like it was like a Tuesday night game in June and they sold like 42,000 tickets or something crazy like that. And what they're getting at is like that's just good fans that are like coming, you know, midsummer these games. Like means something if you understand the baseball season, but not really because you're so far away. And they're just bragging blah, blah, blah. that they have a bunch of obedient little consumers. Anyway, slaves. let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to my point here. So that's 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 first level. That's first level stuff. But like that same stuff, I think can move us into what they would call a second level thing, where it's like good friendships, even even like family ties and interactions and memories and stuff like that. So very much like there's something in me like when the Cardinals win, it brings back memories of Mm. like going to all these games, like with my dad and my brother when I was little, like I remember um, like my dad getting me tickets for one of my birthdays and got to see Mark McGuire hit a home run in his 70 home run season. And we've talked about like, um, like me and my dad and my brother got to go to the Michael Waka Clayton Kershaw NLCS game. And, Um, so it's like, then that becomes like kind of this level of the heart that it's like, I don't know, just, just these awesome memories of how good of a father I have. And, um, and even like, yeah, just like getting to spend those memories with my brother and everything. And then that can move into the third level, which is like just between us and God, like God longing to, to love us and to redeem us. And so very much like you articulated at one time too of um, 
like the notion of like wanting to be on a winning team, you know, mm-hmm. and seeing that um, like as good as my dad is, like he's not, um, you know, he's not like God the Father either, you know. And so just realizing that as good of a job as my dad still does at, at loving me and like being my dad, um, that like God the Father is is like my true heavenly you know, father and he'll like in no way ever fail me or whatever. And so something as simple as that, like rooting for the Cardinals can, can move into like maybe articulating desire of like, I don't know, whatever's coming up, like in this desolation of the, of a busy week, just being like, God, like I just want, you know, for a couple minutes, like to know you're with me in this, you know, cause then I can bear it. Like if I know at that deepest level that like, in some way that he cares you care mm-hmm. and like this is you longing to the universe is not a like yeah. an indifferent just abstract spiritual force governing yeah and and so yeah it's just it's just a profound it's very simple but i found it to be like profoundly helpful in the spiritual life of just recognizing and i like that breakdown it maybe it's not for everybody but like just those simple three levels of being able to kind of walk through them like that to where like, you know, if the Cubs lose a playoff series or, or honestly, like the Cubs beat the Cardinals in a playoff series. That suck for me as a Cardinals oh, fan. Oh, dude, that rolled. Know? Anyway. Um, I thought you handled that very well, oh, by the way, Rob. Thank you. You thank handled you. it with, with um, class. But it was just like this recognition that um, that – you know, it really did like that, that hurt, like that was not fun, but that interior level, it was like, okay, that's not, this doesn't, uh, doesn't touch on level three of my heart. That doesn't, that can't get to level three of my heart, mm-hmm. but unless you can recognize that and articulate it, that can actually move into. Oh, totally. Baseball like, can very, ooze easily. I mean, you yeah. see that all the time. That's what drives, well, especially like crazy soccer riots and stuff in other countries sure. where people. Absolutely. Yeah get completely unruly about sports and mm-hmm. death threats and whatnot. But, you know, I was thinking, um, I'm a little bit more on the, you seem a little bit more optimistic about sports. I'm a little, even though I do get wrapped into them and I care, uh, I, I kind of think they compete a little bit, uh, with like authentic desire, authentic hope, because it, I mean, even if the Cubs do win, here's the thing when they do win, I probably will cry. Yeah. But, uh, then the next year, if they don't win, I'll still be disappointed. You know, it's like a yeah. completely temporary happiness. So oh, sure. putting my yeah. hope in it. But what I wanted to, one of the things I uh, railed against last night in this talk about evangelization is the cultural Catholicism paradigm. This is all Sherry Waddell stuff, which has been my hobby horse for a while now. But yeah. um, the cultural Catholicism model, kind of the way I understand it, is I'm Catholic for the same, which, which worked or, or ostensibly worked for generations or at least a few generations there in the uh, early part of the last century where people were Catholic for the same reason they were Cubs fans. Like they, you know, you grew up around a bunch of other people who were the same, you know, sure. rooted for the same team and they, their devotion to the Cubs or to the, the Catholic church was like their devotion to their mother. It was just in their blood. You know, you can't reject it because it's where you came from. It's who you are. Um, but my point like that, it's just not working anymore. And, but, and a big reason isn't just cause the cult, the Catholic culture disappeared, but the culture in general, uh, has kind of moved away from like 
just the the way we operate, the way we use our weekends, the everything has kind of changed. Um, our attitude towards what's important, family, all, all that stuff. And I likened it to kind of like it's not like people are rooting for different teams now, like oh they're they're you know taking their baseball devotion elsewhere. It's that no one cares about baseball, you know, um, using like metaphorically speaking. It's like people just right right don't think um, a religious devotion or even affiliation with the the no affiliation group growing faster than any other religion in this country that they're just not interested. So like thinking that you can just put Catholicism in the bathwater and the baby will just soak it up doesn't work anymore. Like we people in this, I mean, we all know this has happened to everybody in the seminary. No, there's nobody in the seminary these days because being in the seminary is like a really respectable, cool thing to do for a cultural Catholic, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's because at some point in our life, there was a turning point and we made a decision for Christ. And then that ultimately led us to want to make a, make a more profound or radical decision for him. Um, so that personal nature of God, like you, you were talking about juice, like and it, if it's just an abstract, cause that's the, that's the other side of that coin is that a lot of people who identify themselves as Catholics, they still consider that their affiliation um, 38% of those people don't even come to mass once a month. And, um, a big statistic too, that she points out is that 48% of Catholics are not absolutely sure that a personal relationship with God is possible. Right. And so like this whole kind of karma abstract spiritual force idea that's kind of come, like where Catholics will have an idea that, oh, yeah, if I do something for God, if I kind of check a box, if I go to mass or something, then the universe will be kind to me. That idea of an impersonal God has crept in, you know. And But Jesus is like, no, man, I'm not about you checking some boxes for me. I don't need you to do anything for me. I want to be your friend. Okay? And that's not how friends interact with each other, just sort of like... um and friends talk to each other like we're doing right now, you know? Sure. You I, you would not consider me your friend if I, like, sent you a check every week, you know? Sure. To yeah. pay for your friendship. Um, and so I had an idea for a t-shirt, Karma Has No Friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a that's kind of a good insult uh, <laughs> that, that I think resonates with especially teenagers. It's like, not having friends is the it's worst thing. It's also a good thing. band name. Karma has no friends. <laughs> yeah, somebody make that T-shirt. We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. Have you tweeted that yet? <laughs> no, I did. I did think about it though. I was driving at the time. I think it it will be tweeted sometime soon. I have a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, just to yeah. Oh, well, I was just gonna say with yeah with d- that. D- d- hold up. Wait. What? All right. I'm actually done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, that's, I actually really do like that t-shirt idea for real. So if anyone makes it, send it to me, please. Um, but yeah, I guess the, the whole notion, and I guess that's what it, just the gift that, that three levels of the heart has been for, for me is that, um, yeah, anything can be, um, like disordered in our lives sports i mean we see this all the time like can be hugely disordered and a hindrance to the spiritual life um 
but I think that, you know, if we, if we let it, like it can, um, just be a, like an experience of how much God loves us in whatever way. But if we're living at that third level, like that communion with God as like Jesus really as our friend, not in the abstract, not the idea of Jesus being our friend, but as real the friendship like developed with him as the three of us or, or whatever. Um, I guess the gift of that three level, the heart analogy for me has been that like we can live at that third level all the time. And like, that's finally, honestly, I'm not saying I'm in this category or I'm like ready for martyrdom or whatever, but that's finally what made, um, like stories of saints and martyrdom, like make some sense to me was that not that their lives make sense because they are radically like given to Christ and his church, but that they're living at that level, like constant communion with God and God, their father who loves them. And so nothing can touch them. Like nothing can make them afraid then. And so I think it's the same stuff that you're saying, Bisque, of like, yeah, like you live in friendship with Jesus and your whole world changes to the point that like nothing can make you afraid anymore. That is the hope. <laughs> Truly good talk, guys. Yep. Well, this is, this is good. I like the morning sessions. How about you? I like them a lot. Mhm. Mhm. I mean, they're yeah. I feel like they're more focused. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.